This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Pints and Politics UK, sponsored by Big Heads Media. How's it going, Johnny? It's not too bad. And just just to reference uh, the fact that this is a podcast medium, that good evening could be a morning or an afternoon or a night. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't actually think of that. <laughs> good start. Well, welcome, welcome to Pints and Politics UK with Adam and Johnny and Johnny yeah. and Adam. Yeah. So what, what have we got lined up this week, Johnny? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just for context, um, it's very cold in the UK, and my bo- and the boiler in my house has broken. So this this puts me in a prickly mood, I must say, as we were just discussing something before we went on to the podcast, and that might be partly why I'm in a bit of a prickly kind of mood um, today. And also, I should add for context, just for a little bit more context, before we even talk about po- the podcast, this is the last time Adam will see me before I go into ugly Betty mode. What do I mean by that? Oh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, Johnny's getting his teeth straightened, and he will. So once you get your teeth straightened, yeah. they'll no longer class you as a dangerous dog, will they? No, no. Hey, but I'll still be in them parks on four legs. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's, and, that's, that's uh, kind of you'll have to still wear a muzzle when you're in a public yeah, place. I still, I still oh, will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, real life Hannibal to me. Yeah, but I will tell you what is interesting. Yeah, I think uh, throughout this COVID pandemic, we had. Um, I remember with the NHS dentist, there were quite a lot of issues. I actually thought that I was one of, I was, uh, you know, been building up for a while this really. And I, I thought I'd be set back with the uh, lockdown when actual fact private dentistry was still open and uh, available for all use during the full lockdown we had in Britain. I, I mean, I wasn't aware of that. Whatever you think about that, I was very happy because it, it just kept me going along the path to uh, getting, getting uh, as, as Adam said, uh, going full on Ugly Betty, which is what I've always dreamed to do since I was a kid. Anyway, um, <laughs> back onto the, I think I think that sort of ties in really with where we are because we finished that lockdown now. Last week, when Gus Adams, deputy for the week, stepped in, we we're talking about. Um, thanks, Gus. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about how we'd come out of um, the lockdown and the and the process, and we were talking about the sports that have been implemented. Now we're going a step further for our big topic, and we're going to look at how Britain is going to uh, unravel again, or or come out of those lockdown uh, the lockdown a bit more with um, the opening of beer gardens, hairdressers, gyms, non-essential shops. Uh, we're going to talk about a variety of things later, inc- including the validity of the opposition, which should be fun. Uh, talk a bit about America. Um, Talk a little bit about the local elections as well that are happening in Britain uh, in in May, um, which should be interesting. It affects it. it you, this is probably a bit close to your heart because it actually affect it involve, affects the dev, the devolution countries within the United Kingdom a bit more than it does England, I think. Um, yeah. And we'll finish with some funny news stories after our look at America, like I say. So let's go all the way back, Adam. Uh, we're we're at, I think it's phase two of Boris Johnson's lockdown, isn't it? Wasn't it? I think after oh. the schools, phase one was sports, phase two is indoor things. Yeah, so I don't, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not fully up to scratch when it comes to the English lockdown yeah. rules, yeah. but I am aware that tourism is opening for Wales on the 12th of April. Um, however, we are yet to open places that are not self catered i.e. pubs, restaurants, bars. So that's where we're at. So if you want to come on holiday to Wales, we are not actually fully open unless you are self-catering. Is it beer garden? Or beer garden's not a thing either? No, I don't think so. Fair enough. No. So yeah, so that's where Wales is. But beer garden's open for England. Now, it's a difficult one because I would Mm. love a pint and I would love Mm. to sit outside, but 
as you said before, it is Baltic here. There is literally snow on the mountains, and it's what is it? Is it the seventh of April today? Yeah, so. it, yeah, yeah. So yeah, seventh. It should be going out on the tenth. So before you judge me, I you know I do take my time over the edits. That's why it sounds so pristine when it comes out. It's also because I'm busy uh, with work and other things. However, Adam, regardless of what time this is, it's one degree Celsius right now outside. In my house, it's probably minus five, given the lack of a... <laughs> um, it's horrible. But so, 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 so cold. So there's a lot of people I know that, oh, big orders are open. And there's a lot of people I know that go, oh, it's cold out there. And I'm, I'm more in the second camp uh, of it's cold out there. And oh my, I'll be honest with you, Johnny. I, I don't my think breath. the weather... Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't think the weather is the primary issue no, no, here when no, it comes to opening the beer gardens. I think it's more to do with transmission and whether this is a good idea and whether there is enough vaccine rollout to justify yeah. this movement. I can um, see my breath inside my own house. How bad is that? That's just going to be. This is just going to be about you and your coldness, isn't it's it? It's always about me and my co- <laughs> your coldness as well. To be fair, but not in a. Literal sense. Oh my lord. Oh, thanks, mate. No, Cheers. but 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 but, but 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 yeah, no. I, I completely take your point. And on a serious note, yeah. Will it I think it it's a safer way of uh, stemming the uh the the the, the obvious rise of an of the R eight when lots of people gather together in, in, in clusters. Um and but I, I think it's worth noting it's not just beer gardens, that's a headline in England, but there's more than that. Hairdressers, that's gonna be so big for many of us, including me. I feel like I'm growing another human on top of my head. You know what I mean? Now, to be fair, the hairdressers have been open in hey! Wales for the last couple of weeks, two, three weeks. So I'm absolutely fine. I had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful groom in a Turkish barber's. I like you and um, yeah, so it does make you wonder um, how this is going to pan out. I honestly haven't really got a clue, to be honest with you, no. because this is the first time we're entering or exiting a lockdown where literally 32 million people have at least one vaccination. And that really, you know, Chris Whitty said it himself, where hopefully the next tidal wave of coronavirus variants will hit the wall of the vaccine. Now, I hope he's right. And I do hope that, you know, opening beer gardens, opening hairdressers, opening everything like that mm. is not going to worsen the effects or mm. undo any good work. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, it, it, it seems like Boris Johnson's roadmap of hope. And it, you do get that sense a little bit. When I played football, when the restrictions came out last week, it did feel quite nice. There was a good vibe about it, you know, because it's been such yeah. a long time. My performance was pathetic, I'll be honest. You know, my passing was off, my shooting was off. Obviously, it wasn't about that. It was about... <laughs> course, to get it in, about I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I had to get it in. It's self-deprecation. I'm not saying I was world-class, oh, but <laughs> it was about the kind of... It was about... See, it's a bit more upbeat this this time around. No, but it was about the kind of... Unra- the... The unraveling of hope in, in in a sense that it had been lost for quite a while and the, the lockdown was in place. And, and we yeah. actually see our European neighbours, Germany, I think, are going into a small lockdown. France are in a lockdown. Yeah, Italy's yeah. into the third or fourth yeah. national lockdown. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, you know, you look at it and um, and, it, and it, it does make you happy that for once, it or, or it seems to be going quite well after so much has gone quite wrong in Britain, in England. Uh, I keep I, I keep correcting myself in England, but you know collectively as well, it does seem to be good that certainly there is a like like Chris Whitty said last week. He uh, you you touched on it there, Chris Whitty, chief medical scientist with the government. He said that he thinks it, he hopes it will hit the wall of the vaccine, and also he says we won't go into a third lockdown, which which I thought was quite a bold thing to say. But I'd quite, you know, judging uh, Chris Whitty's background and the way he's performed through this pandemic, I quite trust his judgment, to be honest with you. So yeah. I hope he's right. Yeah. But but counter that as well, Chris Whitty also did say, and this is sort of to counter all the good vibes we're coming out of this lockdown, Chris Whitty also said that we will need to socially distance for a year, another year. I feel like that seems like a sensible thing to do, to be perfectly honest with you. Boris Johnson says no. Uh, to that apparently or opposes the idea but I'll tell you what is interesting so 
I could I could think that that is a sensible idea, like you say. And with pubs, you can have that. And with shops, you can have that. And with sports, it's outdoors. So you know, I think, and also even with team sports, you're not hugging each other all the time, are you? It's it's sort of minimal. I'm thinking football and things. Maybe rugby, you could argue different. But again, it's it's outdoors, isn't it? You have showers and whatnot. I think that you'd have an issue with certain um, certain situations. The one that stands out to me the most is nightclubs because oh, I think it's I think it's a fair thing to say. Yes, nightclubs and all that. I suppose it comes down to the discretion of the events operators yeah. and those things as well. Now, recommendation is to have two meters at all time. Obviously, that is going to be make it safer. That is going to ensure that there isn't going to be an emergence of a variant that isn't you know um not protected or people not protected by the vaccine to that variant um however i did see was it in one of the baltic states can't remember or was it my house my house that's baltic (laughs) um where they managed to actually have an outdoor festival okay not socially distanced because everyone had been um tested for coronavirus before they'd gone through the doors okay so it comes down to practicality and resources, in my opinion. Mm. As a general rule, to keep the two meters in place, very safe, very you know understandable. Mm. But if you've got a nightclub that makes enough money to ensure everyone that they let through that door is negative or and or protected, and that is proven Co- to be COVID found. negative, yeah, COVID negative, yeah. Yeah, not just that miserable <laughs> get in the door. I don't want to be here. <laughs> well, we don't want to be here, go on. But, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, people, who comes? We always have that one shadow at the bar, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Another. <laughs> carry, oh, on. Come carry on, on. Yeah. carry on. Yeah. Come on, Adam. It's just it's your seventh vodka and lemonade. It's time to go home. <laughs> it's not even ten o'clock yet. That, that'll be me. That's know. not a work night. That's not a work night. Never mind. It's only, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> but, um, oh, but yeah, so when he says to practice social yeah. distancing wherever we can for next year, mm. I don't think that's a I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't, but no. no. Johnson is under attack by a lot of his party yes. to scrap lockdown altogether. So you can understand as somebody who's leading a party where they all believe that now that the vaccine's out, that they should be able to be, go down to the pubs on the strand. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, like, I know we, I know, I know I've sort of hinted about this before and you know, you know, I, I don't think I try to remain kind of in the middle here. I, I'm, I'll, I'll say it outright. I'm not big, Boris Johnson's biggest fan by any stretch of the imagination. Neither are you. But make a really good point there. Like he has a lot of rebellion, rebel, rebels, sorry, from, yeah. from, from right Tory people. Yeah. And you've got all, all the other people like the scientists and others who would not necessarily Chris Whitty, but lots of lots of pro, um, I wouldn't say pro lockdown, but pro uh, lives, zero COVID pro- kind of people. Cautionary approach. <laughs> yeah, and and I think to be honest with you, given what he's had to work with, the way he set this roadmap out, I said it before, it's like the middle ground, and 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 I think that deserves a bit of credit. It seems to be going quite well so far. Um, I'm reserving judgment slightly because this is Boris Johnson after all, but thus far and, and what's planned out forward, I think, is fairly sensible. Uh, what Chris Whitty said as well. Now, obviously, I think you, you're right there. Boris Johnson will like to push that away, not only because, um, you know, I think it goes a bit against the Conservatives in the sense that you could argue it's a, it's a, it limits with regards to the economy in terms of what practices can do what. I'm thinking, you know, nightclub festivals, if everyone has to be tested to a certain point, if everyone has to get negative, people will argue it's a put-off for, pe- for people in a time when you shouldn't really be trying to put people off because some businesses have been, you know... Oh, ruined in such a really long time yeah, yeah. And ruined but um you know i think it I, th- I agree with you i think there is i think it i think it makes sense to have masks you know i i don't see a problem wearing masks in places just to limit the spread i don't see a problem like you say sensible social distancing measures across the board um and and you make a good point there i, I think the only thing that will annoy people is that it's still sort of you know, it's going to have a lot of opposition that because, um, 
the idea of keeping those rules in place because it's like we haven't defeated COVID yet. Well, in truth, you know, this is, thing's been around for a long time. There's variants all over the world. Much, much of Europe's in lockdown. Uh, we should be really grateful, I think, for where we are at this moment in time. And long may it continue. I'm not going to say stand up and say, oh, we're all done now. Everything's going to go tickety-boo. But uh, it could be a heck of a lot worse, given what you see across Europe right at this moment in time, where vaccine rollouts haven't been quite as good. No, not as efficient as yeah. uh, they've done here. So, like, all in all, like, yeah. as a bit yeah. of a conclusive point for yeah. me, is that when it comes to the openings that are happening, I don't see why people can't sit outside yeah. and have a pint. No. Um, but I think, once again, as with all these things, it comes down to sensibility of the British public, which has been demonstrated to be very wavy through this. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And what I would say is that uh, personally, just to see that, I know it's different in Wales and in England, it's different. But for me, it's nice to see a little bit of a shoot of optimism with these things opening oh, yeah. slowly Absolutely. but surely. It is. Um, I know the headline is the beer gardens, but I'm also, I think equally, it should be a big headline with with the hairdressers. As I say, Adam's had a fresh trim. I look, as I say, look like a, another thing has grown on top oh. of like another, yeah, huge, huge. Really you look big. like that at university. You could barely be asked to get a haircut at university. Never think, mind. No, 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 no. I don't think I look quite this bad. Um, once, this once is... it's done, yeah. You had nine haircuts to your entire university. Experience. That's very precise. How did you know nine? Once a term. Oh, is it? Right. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. I don't know. Yeah, you might. I think I. No, you could be right, actually, to be fair. You could yep. be right. You could be right. The last one was a skinhead, actually, and it was quite apt, or quite apt, close to a skinhead. It's quite apt because um, right, come so on, many of the lockdowns that were coming anyway. <laughs> Nobody yeah, cares uh, about your I hair. care. I care. Um, beautiful hair. Yeah, that makes one. <laughs> yeah, that makes one of us. Um, yeah, no, so uh, we talked about this last week with Gus, actually, a bit, and uh, nice to get your thoughts on the COVID passport idea now that it's becoming a bit more prominent than it was last week. Just for reflection, COVID passport, as we said last week, wasn't necessarily with reference to going to different countries and proving you'd had the vaccine. It was about domestic, uh, going to domestic places and proving you had the vaccine. Um, now, it's open to interpretation exactly where this could be or what, what this could, you know, which venues could require this and which venues wouldn't require this. Um, it was really interesting. I, I saw somewhere that cinemas would require you to have it but then some restaurants wouldn't and then i saw in other places that pubs might require you to have it and then some said that pubs wouldn't require you to have it so it's all a bit wishy-washy at the moment whether it actually passes through parliament's another uh matter um i know gus was not too much in favor of covid passports i'm not in favor of covid passports i must be said must be said but what about you what what your thoughts on this absolute bollocks yeah honestly you're literally segregating community like you're segregating like those who have had the opportunity and the yeah. ability to have yeah. the vaccine yeah and yeah. those who didn't even have a choice in yeah. the matter of getting the vaccine and are still waiting for the vaccine as i say you're first in the queue for lunch because you're hungry <laughs> hung, you're the most hungry or you're the one that has the dietary requirement mm. to eat first mm. But once you've at first, you can then go and outside and play first and you can have more time to do whatever you want. Mm. Where you've got other people further down the queue who don't have the same requirements yeah. and then lose out on everything. You know? so I like you're I just, talking from past experience. Were you that kid at yeah, the back yeah. of the queue? I'm not talking about the fact that I used to have to stand on the back of the dinner <laughs> queue at school because <laughs> other people used to push forward. No, but... <laughs> My point being is like you are literally disallowing the main yeah. like income of pubs, like students. Mm. Yep. Students run pubs yeah, in a lot of cities, you know, yeah. and like hardly any of them have been vaccinated. Sure, student-wise, sure. of the student population, it's a very negligible figure that have been vaccinated. And you're saying all that income is not allowed to go into a pub because they don't have the COVID vaccine mm. passport yet. Your fifty-year-old pluses can go in on a yeah. Friday or a Saturday. Yeah. So I just feel like it's extremely unfair, and it is feels like it's pretty rigged against those who didn't have a choice in the first place. And also, I think it's worth noting that there'll be people out there you know, struggle with their own mental health problems, and yeah. um, you know, have been what for whatever reason 
um, put into a position where they are terrified or, or reluctant to have this vaccine because of misinformation or because their mindset isn't in the right or place to comprehend. Even, or they might have like a health, actual yeah. physical health yeah. reason. Or that. Yeah. So, yeah. And it sort of, and it definitely discriminates against them. I think this is under the assumption that everyone's getting the vaccine at the same time and everyone's willing to get it because everyone should get it because it's morally right. Yes, it is morally right, but sometimes people have genuine, you know, reasons Fit. for exemption. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah. silly. Uh, so, yeah, for me, no, bollocks. Good, it's fantastic, fantastic. We're all on the same page. Uh, also, uh, uh, today, actually, uh, on the Wednesday that we're filming this, so a bit of time to digest this after, under-30s offered alternative to AstraZeneca because now we've heard about this blood clot narrative and it's very, very few cases that have actually shown that uh, produce blood clots for people who've had the AstraZeneca, but now apparently it's enough for... UK chiefs to be a little bit concerned, so much so that with under 30s who are getting the vaccine now, they are, or, or are about to get the vaccine, they are offering alternatives. So essentially, there are no um, repercussions for taking this vaccine like the few that have already been in place. I mean, it, it, came, to a, it came to a statistic, Adam, I think, that one in 250,000 had a blood clot with the AstraZeneca. So, I mean, it does seem a little bit far-fetched to think that this is a... yeah. Uh, see, my whole issue with this, like when I when I saw that before, I was like, "That's yeah. a bit dramatic." To be honest yeah. with you, because if they held the same concern when it came to the contraceptive pill, um, you know, for women under medication whilst they're pregnant or mm. other, you know, sorts of medical conditions mm. where blood clots are quite common by mm. virtue of the nature of the medication, mm. and you know, I'll come down to the contraceptive pill because I feel like that is the most common one when yep. it comes to young girls getting blood clots. And I'm like, you know, if the same concern was shown for those other medications, then that, then, you know, they should be offering young women the, the, the opportunity to take different, yeah. you know, safer um, contraceptive pills. And, other, you know, uh, so I feel like, okay, it's great to have it. I think, I think personally, Nobody should be worried about taking AstraZeneca. It's very few people buy it. And I should think that some underlying health condition or some expectation of it happening will be there for those people who do get it. It wouldn't be a surprise. Um, and second of all, I think this is a bit of a publicity stunt to ensure people aren't frightened to get a vaccine. And there is a choice to get one that they may have read negative news about. So you can see it. There's two things. There's been a dramatic or B just ensuring more people actually take the vaccine. Mm. So if it's B, then it will work. Yeah. Because yeah. people are scared. Yeah, that's fair but, summary. Fair summary. Yeah, but you know the reality is AstraZeneca is fine for you. Yeah. Um, in it, you know, in most cases, it's no, it's no worse for you than the average medication that has existed for years. Fantastic. Good summary. And a good point you made, actually, about um, getting rid of um, negative information or, or shutting down negative yeah. information in a good way. Because um, when people see a choice, especially a choice between something they've seen bad about and something that they've yet to hear bad yes, or only yeah. good about, then it will work. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, well put. Um, so, British culture feature, a bit of a different one this week. Uh, I suppose this applies to lots of things, but we're going to go with local elections uh, because that's really a thing coming coming into play this um, next month, sorry, uh, across the uh, devolved nations, Wales, Ireland and Scotland, um, across England in terms of councils and not necessarily voting for members of parliament for local areas, but uh, for voting for the makeup of councils in local areas. And also uh, mayors, like uh, in big cities such as London, for example, probably and, the biggest one. And I think there's also voting for um, commissioners, chief of police, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah. Commissioner, yeah. So there's all this coming up. It's uh, exciting times. Yeah. So you, so essentially, what we've got is, um, I mean, how would you describe it? Is it is it like uh, is it like the midterm elections? Would you say to see where the parties are at uh, in terms of from an? I think I think that's maybe where you'd look at it from an England perspective, but obviously it's different in the devolved nations, as I said. So in Wales, uh, what's the picture looking like? We've already had the councillors' yeah. election. Mm -hmm. um, that's already happened. Um, you know, and they actually come down to 
village specific specific mm. specific for each village and yep. not necessarily the voting doesn't necessarily happen in the same time so different councils come and go as they like there is no set time as far as i'm aware because it hasn't happened for my village for this year but it has happened for the village next door to me so that's the only difference there um however this is like um the makeup of the very lower levels so i think if we're going to compare it to say the american scene mm. i think at least it comes down to mayor doesn't it the mayor yeah. of a town sheriff yeah. of a town the you know these are the highest ranking officials big fish very small pond i think yes. that's the best way yes to see it you know what i mean yeah you know he said yeah i, I you know the, the the great things you know um the local council here's done quite a bit you know, he's made roads safer, port flooding. I think they're generally quite useful um, positions and voices for communities, and they have done good, especially where I am. So, yeah, I, I think that it, it's, a, it's a good time. It, it should be something people actually take serious. So. Yeah, what do you think about the uh, candidate that we are seeing who's running in Wales, who we know from university? Now, I know what uh, Johnny's hinting to an individual that we uh, went to university with, and who is currently running for said seat in said area of said country I reside. And um, he has vastly different views to us. That's, yes. that's, yeah, that's true. I wish him all the luck. I wish him yeah. best of luck in his campaign. However, I think the pair of us have spoken about this on a more yeah. informal level, where yeah. it's sometimes it's difficult to um, restrain an answer um, mm. especially given the present times and political climate yeah um re issues regarding the coming out of pandemic inequality yeah. racial inequality you know um you know uh, sexism mm. patriarchal structures mm. um, which have been highlighted in a lot of institutions across the uk and mm. within political parties from mm. scotland wales england mm. Northern ireland <laughs> So, yeah, he's an interesting character. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, one of many. I find it very interesting. I've never actually seen... I mean, I, I will say that he puts a lot of effort into his social media campaigns. Yeah, uh, I've got nothing against his yeah, campaign. Yeah, he's yeah. going for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, as Adam sort of hinted in a, in a very um, very well-put way, uh, politics is there for freedom of speech and views from all kinds of angles. And, and he's, um, he's, he's it's a legitimate party, legitimate position. So yeah, must be so, respected. Yeah. Now, uh, really interesting time because I think, as we've said, so you got the the mayors, like you said, uh, uh, councils, and you've hinted uh, big fish, small pond, which I think is quite accurate as well. With that description, this is nothing like the grand scale elections that you'd, you'd be used to for general elections, for example, where local MPs are put together and those MPs accumulate to create. Um, a prime minister and a leader of the opposition and so on um, with where they are. Yeah, the, the constituencies, the MPs look, um, picked constituencies all add together to create a standing for their political party. Um, so it's a little, uh, I suppose, like mock exam, if you will, a, a very early mock exam to see how uh, the Labour Party are getting on, um, uh, you know, in their battle with the Conservatives. Now, in December 2019, the Labour Party were obliterated by the Conservatives. Boris Johnson took a massive uh, majority, landslide yeah. majority. What was it? Brexit 60, done. 66 yeah. or something like that. I can't remember, but it was 40 yeah. to 60 switch seats between Labour to the Conservatives. So Yeah. It was um yeah, it was it was it was a huge landslide. And yeah, yeah. Um Essentially, that was Jeremy Corbyn who'd fallen on his own sword then, and he was done for Keir Starmer. So Keir Starmer's now come in to the position since then, started promisingly. That's faded a bit. Debate topic uh, is is um, basically around the opposition, and is the opposition party failing? Now, difficult really to say, but this these results that come up in the local elections will be a little indicator as to what public opinion is on the Labour Party on the Conservatives. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on it then, generally, Adam? I got a very interesting article. Um, same topic, two vastly different newspapers, Guardian and the Telegraph. Vastly? vastly. Oh, I, oh, by Jove. By Jove, old chap. 
But when I say that the Telegraph is dubbed by the left as the Tory graph, yes, and the Guardian is dubbed Antifa by the <laughs> right, so you can yeah. see the vastness of the difference. Um, basically, there was one topic that both could really pick out that mm. you know that Keir Starmer was really opposing the Prime Minister on. And his remained, and I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> I think it was lockdown exit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or was it lockdown exit? I don't even think it was lockdown exit. Yeah, posted him on COVID passports recently. COVID passports. COVID passports. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but the rest, literally the rest of the policies mm. have remained, he's remained pretty quiet mm. on. Um, but saying that, you know, I have seen him stand up in defence of the NHS and so forth. I don't know. I um, I don't want to say too much because, you know, it's it's a difficult topic, especially when both sides of the of, of the government want to see us out of this as soon as possible. But, yeah. you know, generally the fact that I don't know much about it <laughs> kind of proves how silent he's been. Yeah. You know, I, I need to brush up on my actual Keir Starmer knowledge. I'm like, on the opposition at the moment. I've been that well, as you know, Johnny, my head's been stuck in front of a laptop for all the wrong reasons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, only fans, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, that's my new one. <laughs> no, no, I, I think you you speak on behalf of many, though. Really, it's not just yourself. There's a lot of people that struggle to know what the Labour Party stands for, what is the identity, and I've talked a bit about this before. I wrote a bit about they've this bl- for something. They've lost a lot of student like support yeah. and everything. It's it's bad. Yeah, I think the problem was really that under Jeremy Corbyn, they had record numbers, I think, of student support, um, you know. So many... Yeah, yeah. But then they lost a lot, I think, um, in terms of the older age groups, in terms of the middle age groups, I think. And, and unfortunately, the the group of students wasn't able to counteract the, the losses of the of, of the older group and the, and the middle aged um, who actually themselves probably felt a little bit politically homeless, I think, was what it said at the time. Um, so it, it's really I think it's really difficult for Kerstauer because he's taken over a Labour Party that were demolished in the, in the last election and he's got to try and be different to Jeremy Corbyn and take Labour in the different path to what Jeremy Corbyn did. Um, and that's quite, that's difficult when half of, you know, roughly half or just under half of the party are still believing in the Corbyn ethics and the Corbyn ethos. Um, and it's going to lead to in-party division. I think the, 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 the division within that party probably probably partly explains why it's tough to understand what Starmer really stands for or stands on because it seems any decision that he makes is upsetting someone within his own party. And yeah, that- he's in a, he's not in a win situation, is no. he? <laughs> let's be fair, and that's just a natural position for anyone running a party. Let's be honest; it's mm. it's hardly you know controversial. No, um, I think it's. It, yeah, I I, I I do I do get that to a point. It, it's it's interesting, really, because I know a lot of people say that, and I'm in agreement. You know that I'm more left thinking than I am right, but I do see a lot of people who are, are moderate left thinkers. And Chaos Starmer can't do anything right. I mean, it is quite um, startling at some points. I mean, he there was a Conservative MP I think that died recently, and you know her her voting record it wasn't particularly good. You know, it, 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 some of the some of her history wasn't particularly good, but Kerstin paid his respect, respects to her on, on social media, and and, I th- and you know you can you can sort of, I think it's just a nice thing to do, um, but the replies were were so were so you know quite critical. How can you how can you you know, uh, poor how can you wish this person a happy um, rest in peace you know, passing or whatever, and it was very 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 derogatory and. I just think that, again, there's no need. He's just he's just he's just paying his respects to a to a member of parliament, like I'm sure other other parties would do. Um, and again, I think there was another incident with the church actually. So he went to a church. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He actually yeah. apologised for this a few days later, and it did seem quite sincere how he did apologise. He said he took full responsibility for it, even though it's going to be a member of his 
Labour Party team that gets him to go to these events because he's he can't research everywhere he goes, as someone said, he's got to think about everything. Um, and he said he did make an apology, he did apologize, took the blame himself, even though that was probably even probably the right thing to do, but it, it probably wasn't him that made that final call. He was just told this would be a good place to go. And I then the replies done. again, it was it was all, oh well, this is too late. Why are you putting why are you saying it now? Oh, well, yeah. you're just incompetent then. And you can't, it's just it, it frustrates me a bit that people who idolised Corbyn. Yes, he's not Jeremy Corbyn. And Corbyn did do a little bit more. He did do more for the people, so to speak. But you know what? Give the guy a chance. I don't think he's the Antichrist like some people think he is. I know. And I don't think he is the Antichrist. But at the same time, he's been in what? How now for a year? Mm. And you'd think, you know, he's got a lack of direction with his policies and there's a lack of traction um, for him. Uh, and it and it comes down as well like, to the fact that the pandemic really should have opened the doors for the Labour Party more than you know. Uh, should it though? No, no, well, it did open the doors. Yeah, I just don't think they made the most of it. You know, you're talking about the pandemic exposed the how underfunded the NHS is. Yeah, you know, something Labour have been fighting for for many years now. You know, how how there's a lack of support for schools. How the education system needs, you know refining more you know uh, it, but it just seems that there hasn't been much but yeah I don't know like I've always been I, I've always been like politically homeless when it comes to parties I've never really attached myself to any of them so I can quite honestly say like I don't feel any gravity towards the Labour Party yeah. when it comes to him at yeah. all which is a shame because I really don't there was opportunity here from a political standpoint, yeah. to actually gain a little bit more power, more see, support. See, what I would say, though, is that I think people generally look across the world and they see that this is a, this is a global pandemic affecting everyone and, and everything. And, that, and we all we look at the Twitter stratosphere, we talk amongst ourselves and we say, oh, you know what, the death toll is ridiculous, it's miles more than these other countries, all of these problems we're having, you know, there's been so much incompetency on display. And yet we're a small bubble and Twitter's a small bubble and you go and talk to common people, common man. And so many people still think, oh, well, Boris is doing a good job. You know, he's appearing on television. He's trying to help us through this time. No one could have done better. He's trying so hard. He looks tired. He got COVID. And because he's the face of it, because he's sort of leading us through it and and so on. Yeah, I get your point. I get you can you can highlight the incompetencies there, but I think um the easy narrative is the narrative he got when he tried to oppose the government on certain things was that he's captain hindsight and half of the people stick by that and they say well you know you're not in power you couldn't have done better and then every time he does do something if he does suggest something out loud when it's really difficult to suggest things i think out loud in a global pandemic because you just don't know what's going to happen in two weeks time as soon as he does start suggesting things it's about to hit him with again and I think he's so cautious because of the ground he has to make up. He feels like he doesn't want to lose any more ground than he already has. Um, and to be honest with you, every, there were so many anti-Corbyn people when it came to the last election and they got beat by a landslide. You can't say anyone's anti-Kair Starmer now. You just say people aren't sure who he is really. And I guess he's sort of... What he stands for. I, I guess he's is... sort of direction though. Think about Biden and uh, what did Joe Biden stand for against Donald Trump? Uh, he stood against fake news fake narratives, you know, it, open you know, discussion, you know, evidence discussion. I think that was his main point, wasn't it? It's quite wishy-washy, isn't it? I mean, I, I actually think there's almost a point that was hoping that Boris Johnson would be so incompetent if they faced each other again that he could just stand for not being Boris Johnson and being a face of com- competency. But you're right, there does need to be a bit of something to hang your hat on and say, you know, what's what's the substance here? Yeah, because I think one thing Boris Johnson has is a lot of charisma, and people people like sure. that, don't they? People like charisma. People, and to be honest, also I read somewhere as well that, as far as a conservative standpoint goes, conservative traditional conservative voters are a bit skeptical of Boris Johnson, and it's actually other people, just general public, who are more in favour than the traditional conservative voters, because Boris Johnson, according to many, is not necessarily like contemporary conservative politicians where he's a more liberal-minded I I have to completely disagree with that Johnson embodies the conservative the traditional conservative from his action to his mannerisms what about about 
pushing for yeah. green party what about pushing for the green movement what about pushing for um you know just larger- stick into johnson for a moment he he's i i i'd say that you know people go went for johnson and stick by johnson because of the whole get brexit done thing yeah now we have left you know and it happened yeah and however it happened or whatever the deal was people you know I think we've established this prior to that maybe it, the, the decision of Brexit shouldn't have fallen onto the British population. But it, it, I, I, I do feel like the support for Boris is still very much alive Yeah. in that sense. So I'd have to, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure, Johnny, to be honest with you. I, oh, don't get on. me wrong. I don't think he's liberal. What I'm saying is, unlike contemporary Conservative politicians, that you knew kind of what you got, this kind of self-righteousness right to govern kind of thing prim and proper image this is a guy who embodies a more uh, well i'm trying to a more scruffy not as prim and proper not got the the sort of the higher ground morally in comparison it doesn't pretend to have that kind of upper echelon of morals he, he is a tainted image Attained to public image, the affair that he had recently just compounded that in terms of, in terms of, in terms of that image that he already has. And I just think, because he's a naughty schoolboy, kind of thing, I think that resonates with a lot of people. I think a lot of people like him in a misguided sense, and that means that when Sir Keir Starmer comes along and tries to play as this "I'm not Boris" kind of card, do people look at Boris Johnson and think, "Oh, he's dangerous like Donald Trump"? I'm not sure they do, which is why I think. It might need a bit of a rethink from Keir Starmer's point of view. If he wants to push on and get into power, I don't think it's a, it, I don't think he's in a bad position because no one hates him. But I think he's in a position where he needs to push on from this middle ground. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't. I, I've lost the narrative now. I come on, what I was going to say. But anyway, moving on. Come on. <laughs> Fine, moving on. Yeah. Uh, very good. I mean, yeah. I, again, I, I do hope to care, for, just on the, on the last note, I do hope to care Starmer does find his way back to a level and find some identity before, I mean, he's got a lot of time to do so. And people remember the public only have um, memories that last about six weeks, the run up to an election. So hopefully he can find something there that's substantial and can stick. Uh, because at the end of the day, even Conservatives should want that because you know what? Everyone should want a democracy to the best of its ability, I think. Um, we should appreciate the right to vote and appreciate competition where, when it comes to that vote. If we only have a one-party um, country... All right, come on, Speaker of the House. What's next? Come yes, on. Speaker. Waffle, anyway, no, that was that was a law thing. It's it's America. It's America. It's America and... Johnny, come on. America. Uh, yeah. Um, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden is... Happy I've got to say, that by waffle standards on your front, that was the longest you've done in a while. <laughs> well, well, there you go. I'm getting better. Um, so Joe Biden announced that the US has administered 150 million vaccine doses since he took office in January. Uh, the president also announced all American adults will be eligible to receive a coronavirus vaccine by April the 19th, pushing up his earlier deadline of the 1st of May by about two weeks. So... Um, I remember a bit ago that America were having trouble with the storms. The storms were affecting vaccine rollout. That seems to have been, um, the COVID seems to have been flattened. We're back to a good steady push on the vaccine front. And uh, yeah, calm, cool collector Joe Biden is uh, steering America to safety. Yeah. Um, So he initially said he wanted to get, what, 150 million done by the 1st of May. Yeah. And that's already been done. So um, I, I feel it's a good effort. Considering you know when you compare it to the rollout that was happening prior to his presidency, I think uh, I think we can all agree that it's uh, the protection to the American people, whether they believe in it or not, is uh, <laughs> good. I think it's positive. Um, it has to be positive, but um, he, he he hasn't not, been not the COVID test. It's been negative. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, yeah, I think it's great news. Um, especially for those Americans who have been living in a state of fear for the last five years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, good to see normality there. Uh, less good news. Um, and not something that, that, that really we've become accustomed to seeing in America. Another shooting, um, this time a shooting at uh, Fort 
Detrick in Frederick, Maryland, um, this week. Uh, the U.S. Navy confirmed the shooter, who is uh, now dead, was uh, a naval hospital corpsman. The two victims of the shooting are in critical condition and were airlifted to Baltimore Hospital, Frederick Police told reporters. Um, yeah, another shooting, America, a bit different, I suppose, this involves the Navy. Just generally, really. I mean, we again, this is something I touched on last week with Gus, a bit different now. We haven't touched on it personally together, but um, not it's necessarily just... isolated to this incident, but it just seems like America... And I mean this in the nicest possible way, live in an alternate reality to the to us and to many other countries in that they think that it's absolutely essential to carry ammunition, to have the right to bear arms. I think it's just another, it's another story to add to the continuation yeah. um, or the, it's another point to add to the continued arguments on gun control, gun regulation. And I suppose this is going to be further complicated by the fact that he was a military yeah. man which is quite different uh, then, I suppose. Which isn't is it? different because, again, because when you think of the military in this country, even when they are in this country, they are still have the right to carry a firearm. Yeah. Um, so um, if they're on active duty, that is, um, in a certain contexts. But then again, I suppose it comes down to regulation for us quite a lot of the time to carry mm. such weapon, especially on British bases. Um, it is still far more strict than it is in America. Yeah. And I just... I suppose we've never we haven't been brought up in a country no. where uh, where guns are ten a penny in Walmart mm. or in your local Asda as it is here. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, it seems like such an obvious answer mm. for us sitting over the pond, doesn't it? I think though it is. It's literally. I think I think there will be some people going into office who genuinely do have this ambition uh, to to get rid of gun culture. But I tell you what, convincing. Americans across the board that that's the right thing to do is a very very difficult task because what like you said it's part of their culture it's what they've been brought up culture. with yeah how do you defend your home you shoot the person it's, well it should come down to the same as it is here it's like the problem is I I understand why people may be opposed to removing guns because if all those who understand that guns sometimes create an extremely bad situation as does shooting and hand in said gun those who do not hold the same narrative and wish to keep their own gun and do yeah. and the black market for guns will continue of course then people once again are left defenseless against people who commit and that's that's the biggest point i think that is the biggest point yeah. so unless you can get rid of guns across the board full stop and somehow could fly over america with a big old magnet that only attracted guns <laughs> then how the hell do you address such a problem? Uh, yeah. You know, they, it's like they've dug themselves into a hole so big that there's no getting out of it. It's, you've, you live with it. I think it's one of those, isn't it? A, you've got to stop gun selling. B, you know, FBI uh, would have to seriously crack down on the amount of guns being shipped into the UK, black market, yeah. uh, not into the UK, into the US. You know, black markets... Um, you'd have to do re-education, you know, with schools, uh, general communities. Yeah. You know, it is more than just what the police, it's not up to the police or, or policymakers. It has to be a countrywide communal effort. And unless, and when it's as divided as it is, it's, it's just going to be a game of political ping pong until somebody finally gives up. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's not a policy you'd run with, is it? Because arguably no. it makes you unelectable. Exactly. It really does. And it is an amendment. <laughs> you know, it, when that amendment is there, was it the Fourth Amendment, right yeah. to bear arms? Yeah. Until that amendment struck down, that those who want enhanced gun control don't really have a leg to stand on. No. And yeah. And, and, it, and I must emphasise how different it is from the United Kingdom standpoint of not having this issue. I mean, I, I you hear so many people. I remember Piers Morgan before he was released from his position. I got morning Britain. I remember, to be fair, one no, of the released out of his chamber. Yeah. <laughs> his dungeon. yeah. No, but he was, he, he was very anti-guns. And I remember he challenged. Oh, yeah. I, I remember he challenged a few Americans on it and he found it mind boggling that they were so the other way. 
but I think his narrative was literally what we were saying, but just in a louder, shouty voice, uh, without considering um, the idea of, well, they take my gun, but what happens if they have a, they still keep their gun, or what happens if they hide yeah. their gun? And it, it's just, yeah. yeah, you can't trust anything, can you, at this moment? And it is, um, yeah, it, it it is a it's a crazy, crazy situation that America are in. It's one that I don't think. I mean, Joe Biden seems to us like you know quite a normal centrist kind of guy. I don't think he'd ever think about getting rid of the gun culture, to be honest. Judging I, by I what don't I've know. seen, yeah. I, I, once again, he is trying to win over, yes, Trump supporters, and Trump's yeah. you know Trump is very pro gun, as are Trump supporters yeah. generally by yeah. nature and by culture. Mm. But um, I know. I suppose when I was saying that, now, I was thinking about it how it is in the UK. Like, yeah, I suppose the problem, the method of removing the sales of guns is not an issue that would help to a degree, but it's, you know, how many guns are on the black market in the UK? When do you hear about a gun shooting in the UK? When do you hear about it used in a murder? You know, they are very specific, very isolated incidents, Mm. you know? Um, And because I'm not saying that we're gun free, Christ, we're not at all. No. But it's the fact, it's the volume of guns. You know, that is the issue. It is the number of guns. So it should be one of those. If you don't, you know, I think one policy I, I, I'd heard one of uh, uh, I can't remember which um, uh, which uh, American pro- uh, politician it was, but it should be one strike and you're out. You know, if if you if you if you holding a gun without a license, then you should not be able to buy a gun full stop ever again. Yeah, and it's this sort of radical policies is the only way out of this. Yeah, you know, trench. But we'll see. Yeah, and just lastly on America, uh, Derek Chauvin's trial is still going ahead. This is the officer that killed uh, yeah. Floyd. Last week we, we talked about this. It was still 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 in um, in play there, and still is now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just 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 recollect some of the events. It is hideous, absolutely hideous. Really? What happened? Uh, the as I say, and I keep reiterating, the most harrowing thing is when such an act, not only is such a racist act occurs, but when it occurs by a man who's in a position of power given to him by the law, you know, essentially. Yeah. That's the the worst part of it all. And, you know, as this trial goes on and on, I think the outcome is inevitable for him. Well, the, the, latest, um, the latest headline I saw, which was around about six o'clock, was... Um, the judge had said that his actions were, um, well, the, the, the ex-policeman in question were just, you know, unquestionably wrong, you know, unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that has been established. I suppose it just comes down to the next steps of the, of the trial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and thoughts with George Floyd's family at this time. I mean, it must, it probably was the most way. traumatic of years. Unquestionably, um, yeah, yeah, uh, really, really, really awful um, incident, and 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 it sparked such a powerful movement, I suppose, in Western society about um, you know taking the knee in football, saying no to racism generally. Um, not that that's really anything compared to the life of a, of a living, breathing man, but it is step forwards to stopping it happening again, isn't it? I hopefully. Think- all comes simple. down to education, doesn't it? And the need to really, because I, I think it, it comes, it's more of a generational thing in that the next generation will be less racist and the next generation, I hope it works like that because I think certainly people I grow up with, the majority of younger people are much more tolerant like that and the, the majority of yeah. young people are much more aware of things like mental health and things that older generations aren't. And I think it's fantastic that a lot of this is happening through sports. Um, yeah. Because sport is such a cultural, um, it's a, it's a, it's such a big thing that brings people together and gets you know uh, people talking and everyone's engaged with this one type of sport. And if they're being educated, even if it's just at the start and the bo- end of each game, to what is acceptable, what isn't in society mm-hmm. when it comes to being racist, being sexist, being homophobic, you know, etc., etc., etc. You know, it's it's a great venue. And I'm glad it's been utilised in that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, on, a, on a slightly separate note, 
well, completely separate note, actually. Um, go on to our lasting news stories to finish. I mean, I didn't actually say, Adam, last week when we touched on this, um, there was, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, I did laugh a little bit, um, I must say. Nigel Farage is now on Cameo, where he does personalised messages to to people. Uh, so <laughs> birthday messages and things, I know, I know. Again, Nigel oh, Farage, just for, context, just for context, just for context. Nigel Farage is Mr. Brexit, or he calls himself that, and he was probably one of the bigger architects around why Brexit happened anyway, because he made a big thing about the European Union. Anyway, I don't agree with many of his views, but I did laugh at this in particular just before we get onto this story, and and he was he was stood in a tree as the camera panned around, and he's just like an owl in the tree. It's very no. surreal. It doesn't seem right. And then he charges, um, I think, £75 per message. Oh my God, he's stupid enough to pay for that. Well, he said, he said, he said, uh, you can surprise. I think he said something along the lines of the Wokies, which is another word for the sort of strong minded liberal left, or he said, any Meghan Markle supporters um, with oh, a message from God. Nigel. Um, I mean, yeah, and like you said, it was a bit of a surprise to see him pop up on Cameo. I mean, that's usually what happens with the washed-up celebrities and, and so on. But This mm. is my problem with capitalism. It seeps into every crevice, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Farage is making cameos for 75 quid. Oh, my God. You, you know, he's got a five-star five star set of reviews there. Five I'm sure he does. It's yeah. great, isn't it? Honestly. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, just just for just to, just for a bit of fun, I saw another one by Jordan Belfort. The and again, this is this this suits your capitalism idea probably even more, seeing as he was literally uh milking that uh societal uh system for all it was worth back in the day. How much is Jordan Belfort charging uh for a cameo personalized message? Oh no idea. Thousands. No, not I'll go with, not no. No, I'll go with I'll go with five hundred dollars a piece. Seven hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, fair. yeah, quite a lot, quite a lot. Um, well, yeah, some argue, like a grand, right? Yeah, no, seven hundred and fifty pounds. So it's about a thousand dollars. Yeah, thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, 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 there you go. Madness. And some people actually said, you know, uh, the people who were getting Jordan Belfort uh, personalized message, uh, did they not feel slightly incorrect morally? I, I don't know. I suppose. Uh, I couldn't do that morally. No, no. Then again, if people are stupid enough to actually voluntarily want to pay for that, yeah. if they if that is a service yeah. which is in demand, yeah. then do it because if they're stupid enough to pay for it... Then well, some people can... said that for that price, they expected DiCaprio <laughs> from the actual film, didn't they? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we'll do one, we'll do one uh, new news story to finish, slightly amusing one, um, found from the Daily Mirror news stories. A uh, woman raves about microwave egg poaching hack, but not everyone's convinced. Neither oh, am I, actually. Here we go. Got a, yeah. It's on TikTok. Uh-oh, yeah. Do you have TikTok? It is on TikTok. Do you have TikTok? Of course it's on TikTok. I, I don't have TikTok. <laughs> I find it too distracting, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> well, so how many views does it have? 1.3 million. Million times, but viewers yeah. have spotted a problem. Yes. Go on. Yes. Go on. Scroll. Let Scroll. me see. Uh, for those who love a, a runny golden yolk, poached eggs are the way to go. I love how they fill about 150 words with filler till you get to the point. Uh, yeah. uh, wasted 30 characters. Yeah, on. you've wasted quite a few, yeah. Okay, I saw this on TikTok and I had to try it. That's not a Oh, that's awful. Egg. Just for reference, it looks like... Um, it looks, it looks like... like an orange with mayonnaise around it. Do you see that? No. no. <laughs> Not really. It looks like a piece of popcorn with some marmalade on it. It doesn't look good. I think that's what it doesn't no, look good. I think good. what we're trying to say is it looks crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like a student's meal at university. That's what it looks like. Um it's a egg in a mug. Go it's on. not good. That's awful. Um so have we got any reactions? Yes. Yeah, so tried this after seeing the video. Nice trick, no vinegar taste. No way, three wise, said a third person. So there was another person above, actually. I used to do this all the time. Definitely works, another one said. Some viewers <gasps> warned not to overcook it, as one person revealed. Mine blew up. Quite a mess, lol. <laughs> <laughs> What's the method, then? What's the method? 
Uh, did you just stick it in water and stick it in the microwave yeah, for a let's minute? Get, let's get to the method. I think I skipped that, didn't I? Where's um, the method? A mess-free way to apply... Eh? Oh, no, that's a different one. Charlotte demonstrates the full um, tip special. First step is to add boiling water to a mug, then to add a few drops of vinegar, which helps to bind the egg to the water, along with a cracked egg. All that's left to do is to pop the mug into the microwave for one minute and you're done. No, 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 no. Do you know how easy it is to make a, a poached egg? Well, apparently not. Called, this is the hack, it's Adam. Simmering, it's simmering hot water. Yeah. A few drops of vinegar. You create a well with a whisk and you drop your egg in it. And within a couple of minutes, it's nicely cooked and rounded. And it doesn't look like an oversized piece of popcorn and somebody's taking a piss on it. Yeah. For more cooking tips with Adam, um, follow him on... I don't know. Do you want to go on Ready, Steady, Cook after that masterclass? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, uh, and I <laughs> have a go at that woman who's made pasta and hot dogs the other week. Yeah, oh, that was bad, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the hot dog was bad. Yeah, that was better than the hot dog. The hot dog one was bad. The hot dog one, as Adam, I think, described, was child cruelty. So there you go. That was that bad. Uh, I feel like there was a slightly lighter tone to this one, given some of the darker-themed tones of other podcasts, but that's mainly because I'm freezing, um, you know, and, and, and sometimes we like to add a bit of humour. It's very cold. I don't know if I mentioned it. The broiler's broken. Anyway, um, next week we'll be back with fun. Uh, no, I'm hesitant to say fun. We're back with discussion. Might be amusing, might not be, might be dark, like some of the It'll other things. It'll be entertaining. It's in our bloody bio. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's entertaining. It's in our bio. I think so. I think so. Um, I, at that point, I hope the heating is back, and I'll be I'll be morphed into Ugly Betty, so uh, that will be interesting, although you don't have the pleasure of seeing that. Um, all I'll say is uh, I'll make braces sexy again. There we so, go. Yeah, I'm on that, I'm on that note, to... bye, Donald. Bye, Adam. Bye, Johnny. See you next week.